0: Hello, hello, it's true, it's November 28th, 2022, episode number 332, we're going to title this one, Disney Speculation, Sleep Firing, Poop and Pringles, and more news, let's get going, so what do you think? Interesting title, 332 episodes down. Gonna keep on moving forward. Got some changes coming. Maybe if we can get the timing right, it'll be right on the first. Not sure if I'll be able to make it at this point. Working on the Pico, the Pico VR4 thingamabopper. Yep, lots of things are afoot, but let's get into today's news, all of which were submitted to me. It's kind of interesting, eh? That's okay. I have a ringer for this, so. At any rate, I am Merwatt. That is hometown.com. Welcome to the Hometown Daily News Show. Again, the title of this is Disney Speculation, Sleep Firing, Poop and Pringles, and More News. There's always more news you go over to hometown.com you'll see that if you go to hometown.showbot.tv you'll get to vote on that if you type in exclamation point showbot ta-da, you get a link that'll point you over there go check it out of course you can always check out hometown.com so there have been some rumors you know what I didn't load up all of the pages beforehand at any rate Apple's rumored Disney acquisition is pure speculation says Bob Iger the prospect of Apple acquiring Disney seems not just unlikely but incredibly improbable after returning CEO told employees the rumors are pure speculation Bob Iger and Steve Jobs huh okay let's take a look at this gonna be a picture over at apple insider malcolm owen (laughs) a piece of fuzz just landed in my mouth i'm not even gonna edit that out y'all get to see how the sausage is made every day for the last 332 days anyway malcolm owen over at appleinsider.com has this picture and this article is up bob Iger shaking the hand of steve jobs Both of those returning to their original companies after a period of being away. Quite interesting, right? In the wake of rumors flaring up of a deal that Apple could buy the entertainment behemoth following his return as CEO of Disney, Bob Iger has taken a moment to cool down suggestions Disney is for sale. And I will summarize. Hail no. That's not what he said. He basically said, nah, pure speculation indicating. It's not something the company is considering at all. Yeah, that's not necessarily true. It's just not a Elon Musk style disclosure that something is going on somewhere where you're not necessarily fully privy to, but somebody the hell is and they're making a lot of money on it anyway. Disney and Apple are kind of tied together in a partnership. More like, I don't know, it's a little more than a partnership. It's like a common law marriage, I'd say. They're not really married, but boy, are they together. It seems, right? That's okay, though. Maybe they'll merge. And that's when the uh, lawsuits will really start flying. Antitrust all over the place. Mega corporations merging together. My God, what is this? Cyberpunk 2077. Let's move on to the next article. This one's in the word in tech. Now Apple Watch Ultra can actually be your diving computer. Divers no longer have to wait to use Apple Watch Ultra as a dive computer. Starting today, you can download the Oceanic Plus app to plan, track, and review dives. As they say, plan the dive and dive the plan. Oh, by the way, there is a link down there, right down there, right down there, hometown.showbot.tv. Go vote or go vote Ah, wherever your monitor happens. Well, wherever I am on your monitor, if there's another monitor with a browser, go look. You can still hang out here while the Ultra has a native depth app. It's not meant to be used as a dive computer. It's more for activities like underwater pool swims. And snorkeling, it mostly tells you the water temperature and time as well as uh, current and maximum depths. Depth, conversely, the Oceanic Plus app was designed by Huish Huish Outdoors to be a dive computer. That is pretty awesome, by the way. I am formerly i guess a recovering diver i don't know i'm now landlocked so for me to actually dive somewhere i have to trek and i sold my all of my equipment which was arctic diving equipment to, i gave it to somebody oh i sold it at a very deep discount because i didn't want to trek it across the nation multiple times well anyway now I want to be able to just wear my apple watch as a dive computer and go that would be so awesome i miss diving anyway dive the plan plan the dive use your watch the oceanic plus app gives color-coded safety guidance so your ascent you can actually do dive stops for a monitored period of time instead of looking at your watch and then looking at your dive computer again and looking at your dive computer again you can just look at your watch and it's one and the same thing but you really should have a backup as well ah i flew too close 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 to the sun again Uh, during a dive the oceanic plus app displays metrics like current depth maximum depth Uh, No deco or uh, decompression stop time. Uh, Water temperature, how long it will take to surface. Battery level and ascent speed. It'll also display color coded safety warnings if you've reached. Man, what is going on today? Reached. Your no decompression limit. Or are ascending too quickly. It'll also give safety stop or guidance. So divers can safely resurface after a dive. Pressing the action button will also allow divers to set a compass heading. Okay. So this is pretty, pretty darn cool. It's 80 bucks a year uh, to use a unlimited logbook book and uh, decompression tracking location planning. So in the US users can also, uh, yeah, in the US users can also pay $129 per year to use the app with family sharing. So if you have a bunch of divers in your uh, family, you can, And we're talking about family sharing. So people that you even consider people. Okay, wait a minute. What is going on with my bandwidth? It's saying that I'm streaming at 14,000 kilobits. And is red. I don't understand. But it's dropping a ton of frames. I don't know. I'll just let it go. If you're in my chat and you think that I'm dropping frames and things are really wonky, then let me know. In fact, you know what? I'm just going to stop my music and see if that stabilizes things. No, it actually destroyed things. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep going. Cause I have a local recording and I don't want to ruin that. So anyway, Oceanic plus app, go check it out. Isn't entirely free according to the article. It's true, $129 for family sharing of it or $80 a year for pretty much unlimited use uh, for one person. Uh, The next article is in the Hatch Ideas channel. 100 UK companies are scrapping the 40 hour work week and here's how the standard work. BioCow, how are you? mm, Wow, welcome to the shoe. How are you doing? I see you in various places. Nice to see you here. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Um, right when I was saying something, yeah, I just had somebody text me and say that the show went offline. Um, but it's not, so I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah. Pretty neat. Huh? Well, I'm glad that you are seeing it as okay. My bandwidth is all over the place, but uh, we'll keep moving forward. I'm doing good. Good to see you here in hometown. Um, we're just now starting the news. So we're at about three articles in. So if you missed the beginning of it, um, you can actually go to hometown.showbot.tv. That's what that link is right there. Hopefully you can see it okay. It really depends on what type of interface you're on. But if you go to Or yeah, hometown.showbot.tv, it'll take you to where all of the links are. And then you can vote them up uh, for the ones that you think are interesting, and and kind of read along as we go through it. Because this is the first time that I've seen these articles, but I have some experience with this kind of stuff, so I throw my two bits into it. So, 100 companies are um, ditching the 40-hour work week, and coming from a person who used to work hundred-hour work weeks. I can appreciate ditching the 40 hour work week. Let's see which direction it's actually going in. Because if it's a Twitter kind of a thing, you're going to be working. (laughs) You're going to be working 85 hours. Um, So Marguerite Ward and Shauna Lebowitz is the author of this over at business insider. And uh, so 100, UK companies have signed up for a permanent four day work week for all their staffers with no cut in pay while the companies employ a mere 2,600, people, a fraction of the UK's workforce, the move signals a growing shift in how some leaders view the traditional work schedule. So what the real reason why I wanted to bring this forward was because it says, here's how the standard work schedule became so popular in the first place. Um, and so, Let's see here. This update is part of a growing trend of more leaders considering a 32 hour work week. Um, this has been going on for years. People pushing back against the 40 hour work week. Depending on which field you're in, you're either working more or less. You know, attorneys are working 2000 plus hours documented 2000 hours at least. Um depending again, wherever you might be. And if you're salaried, you could be working well beyond a hundred hour work weeks. I certainly did when I was in the startup community, uh, you just never really ended. It was perpetual. So it says here the history of the 40 hour work week, the documentation of that 40 hour work week goes all the way back to 1866, um, making it a law mandating an eight hour work day. So you literally spend a third of your life working so that you can sleep in in an apartment or a house or wherever you might be for another eight hours of the day. And then for the remaining eight hours a day, you have to figure out what to do with your life because you're either traveling to and from work or you are getting ready to or from work (laughs) or you're cooking something. It, It really Eight hours for living your life seems really kind of a detractor to, you know, bust in your hump for somebody. Um, but we have this history of telling people, Oh, you got to work hard and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And little do most people realize that it's not really, it's, <laughs> it's not hard work. It's, it's luck. And, the ability to take advantage of certain things that might show up in one's life. But our work week has been enumerated, apparently since 1866, I've heard various things about how long this has been in history. Um, but then I've heard also that, you know, we should be thankful that it's only eight hours because back in the day, right? I get it, but we have technology and we are doing more with our time. And yet we're also being told every single year that we need to do even more month after month after month after month. We have to do more, hit those goals than ever higher. Yet we're not the ones that are pulling in with a Ferrari unless our family has left us wealth somewhere. You know, first generation people here in the States, they're, you know, quite a way it's an anomaly for people to suddenly gain great wealth, but then we end up now pushing back and 40 hour work week is turning into a 35 hour work week or less. Um, but we're doing more in that amount of time and our work life balance is better off. So it says here in general, research suggests that we can handle working 60 hour work weeks for three weeks. After that, we become less productive. Yeah, I don't know about that. 60 hours for 60 hour weeks for three weeks. And then we lose productivity. Yeah, I, I would be happy with actually only working four days out of the week, eight hours a day. Let's move on to the next article. Um, This one was interesting because it says here how a cyber attack plunged a Long Island county into the 1990s. Suffolk County officials had to return to the days of paper checks and faxes after an episode that exposed government weaknesses. Now, I really don't like the idea of, you know, quote unquote, government weaknesses, because it's actually a product of the people. So it's not like the government is some disembodied entity that's controlling time and space. This isn't Marvel for crying out loud. This is human beings that obviously didn't catch something in their security. So how a cyber attack plunged a Long Island County into the 1990s is an article over at New York times by Sarah Maslin near NIR is their last name. And it says here emergency dispatchers taking down 911 calls by hand, unable to use their geolocation technologies for callers, police officers radioing in crime scene details rather than emailing reports to headquarters. They could have stored all of that kind of stuff in notes, but okay. For weeks this fall, the government of Suffolk County was plunged back into the 1990s after a malicious ransomware attack forced it largely offline. Um, You know, a little bit of consulting with their network probably would have saved them a ton of time and money. Um, For weeks this fall, the government of Suffolk County was plunged back into the 1990s because of ransomware. Officials disabled email for all 10,000 civil service workers and scrubbed infected hardware seeking to stem fallout from compromised computer systems. If it was ransomware and crypto lock, they're in some serious trouble. Um, The full scope of the damage is still emerging. Just last week, the county announced that in addition to the data that it had already believed had been stolen, more personal information, including driver's license numbers linked to 470,000 moving violations, had potentially been exposed. Brutal. This is absolutely brutal. But you know what? You could hire somebody from a two-year program, and they're already versed enough that they could probably put in better protection. (laughs) Uh, a better, a better set, a better set of protections uh, than apparently what was in place here. The crisis began on the morning of September 8th when the county's antivirus software, or the systems that alert to cybersecurity threats, started pinging. Said Lisa Black, the chief deputy county executive. This indicated that the online systems that thread through more than 20 county agencies, from police department to Department of Social Services to the Division of Soil and Water Conservation, were under attack. Wow. Let's see. Um, I want to see if there's something that actually mentions some way of mitigating this, if they even talk about it. We're going to revert to 1990, Ms. Black said, describing the thinking at the time. We're going to teach millennials what a fax machine was. Well, it should have been mitigated quickly. Let's see. I don't know of anything. It, it doesn't really say much. There's a lot in this article. Um, and obviously I don't read the entire article prior to me doing the the show. It says shortly after the hack, the attackers posted about their Suffolk spoils on the dark web, Include, uh, according to data breachers, a website that monitors such incidents. Extracted files include Suffolk County court records, office records, contracts, etc., citizen information. Though so the hackers claim to have made off with four terabytes of data. Ms. Black said that so far officials know of only two individuals whose personal information had been publicly released. And if you got two if you got four terabytes of information, that is a ton of text data. So I I would be surprised if that's all there is. Let's see here. Yeah, but this shouldn't have been so damaging. It says the success of the attack revealed vulnerabilities in the way that the county conducted its business online, said Colin Ahern. Um, New York State's chief cyber officer who who was appointed in June, but he praised the county's readiness since 2019. It had poured six point five million into crypto security or sorry, cyber cyber security initiatives and conducted a simulation for hackings like this one. Well, then they should never have been brought down so bad, (laughs) huh? All right. Well, there really isn't much to talk about in this particular instance. Um, they learned a lesson, a very expensive lesson, and they learned very quickly of the investment that they had to make in cybersecurity all along. Well, cybersecurity is extremely expensive. Small businesses, they really don't have the time to, uh, They don't have the money or the time to dedicate to, uh, cybersecurity at all, but government agencies, they need to follow, um, some let's say standardized cybersecurity policy and procedure. And one of them that I would suggest would be virtualization of their systems so that they can be brought back online. When something horrible happens like this, they can take everything that might have been compromised offline and bring a backup from a period where they knew that there wasn't anybody breaching it. When is that? It could be weeks or months, but you have to look into it and see, do some forensic analysis. Let's move on. The next article is over in the hatch ideas channel. Company fires 2,700 workers while they were sleeping days before Thanksgiving. Right before midnight on uh, November 21st, thousands of workers, many of whom were asleep, received a text message. A text message, fired by text message, from United Furniture Industries (UFI) saying that they were terminated effectively. What? Immediately? Effectively? Immediately? And were no longer allowed to to return to work. You are not allowed to return to work. You have been invited to not return. Uh, Maya Yang over at the guardian writes about this workers at a Mississippi-based furniture company received text saying they were terminated just before midnight on the 21st of November. This is an interesting way that the phrasing for the, the, the title and for, uh, the little caption is making my head swim a little anyway. Um, it says here, At the instruction of the board of directors, we regret to inform you that due to unforeseen business circumstances, the company has been forced to make the difficult decision to terminate the employment of all of its employees effective immediately, the message said. Fascinating. Your layoff from the company is expected to be permanent and all benefits will be terminated immediately without provision of COBRA. A follow-up email from the company read referring to a federal law that gives employees who lose their job the option to keep their employer sponsored health insurance under certain circumstances and the company instructed its drivers to immediately return equipment and inventory and delivery documents, regardless of whether or not they've completed their delivery. I'm sorry, you fired me. I think that you need to come and get your equipment. (laughs) I'm sure that they would slam you uh, in a reference check. Um, but there are times where you go, wait, 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 wait. You're firing me and I'm in mid delivery. You can kiss my shiny metal, butt. come and get your equipment on your own. You're not paying me to do anything anymore. So it says, as soon as the property manager can provide a safe and orderly process for former employees to come and gather their belongings, they will do so. We are not certain of the time frame for this, but we'll communicate proactively. Wow. That's fascinating, and I, I don't even know. Uh, it just kind of disappeared, right? On Wednesday, former employee Toria Neal filed a lawsuit against the company, alleging that it violated, yep, federal worker adjustment and re re bleh, retraining notification act by not providing at least sixty days' notice of its shutdown. Yep, it depends on the size of the company if they have to do that. So. Quite fascinating that somebody would do this. Now, this next one is quite interesting as well because a lawyer faces ethics complaints for pooping in a Pringles can and then flinging it into the victim's advocacy center parking lot. As they say over at abovethelaw.com, it's quite the ethics shituation. Situation. Situation. Okay, whatever. Let's move on. Stacy Zaretsky. I love uh, Above the Law, by the way, Above AboveTheLaw.com. Uh, one of my 200 sources for news aggregation that I use each day uh, just happens to be part of OmeTown because I aggregate everything for myself and just opened it up for everybody else. Um, so I like to talk about the various articles that it aggregates. That's what OmeTown Daily News Show is all about. Now, Above the Law pretty much writes like I write. Um, Jack Allen Blakesley, an Ohio lawyer, stands accused of, quote unquote, depositing his feces, that's the end quote there, into an empty Pringles can and chucking it into the parking lot of a victim's advocacy center before heading off to court. Allegedly, he threw the uncovered poop filled uh, Pringles can into the parking lot of the Haven of Hope Victims Advocacy Center in Cambridge, Ohio. According to the ethics complaint filed Tuesday, well, guess who's not going to be working for a law firm? The executive director of the center, Michelle Wilkinson Carpenter, saw Blakesley throw the can from his vehicle into the parking lot. According to an ethics complaint, the can landed close to her car. And then Blakesley sped off and drove to the Guernsey County Common Pleas Courthouse to attend a pretrial hearing for a murder defendant he was representing. Wonderful. So apparently it seems that Blakesley is a serial Pringles pooper. <laughs> Pringles pooper. <laughs> so bio uh bio Cal, you say, you say here, uh, if you don't mind, because I don't do I, I don't display the chat anymore. Um someone who pisses me off isn't worth the energy it takes to do so. Yeah. This is, this is amazing, right? You have to be seriously motivated. The amount of—it's almost a gymnastic move, right? And plus, who has a an empty Pringles can? I guess if you do have a Pringles can, it's empty, right? Because Pringles are awesome. But this is a pretty shitty thing to do. Blakesley um, paid a fine and court costs after pleading guilty to disorderly conduct and littering in the <laughs> littering in the wake of his poop slinging but his fitness to practice law is now being called into question by the Ohio Supreme court board of professional conduct over his crappy behavior. Agree best of luck to him as he tries to flush the ethics case down the toilet. (laughs) Uh, That's Stacy Zaretsky for you. Anyway, uh, above the law.com is if you are marginally interested in law, um, go check out above the law.com. Uh, it's a great site. And I've loved everything that they've ever written, um, that I have seen flow through hometown. It's pretty amazing. Uh, always that snarky, uh, legal humor that one might expect. Um, the next article is over in the distillerist channel, and that's about, uh, spirits, you know, alcohol so if you're not into that then um, stay out of the distillerist channel it's not for you you are uh, exempt from having to walk through that neighborhood over in Ohm Town. but it says here the value of rare single scotch malt whiskey increased 21 percent in the first nine months of 2022 wow that was a never I, I was gonna make a I shouldn't joke about this yeah, in the context of what was going through my head. I have to activate my filter led by bottles priced between a hundred pounds and a thousand pounds. I don't know about you, but I don't spend a thousand pounds on alcohol Scottish investment bank, Noble and co worked with data science business brainwave to collect and analyze more than 5.2 million data points from 580,000 whiskey transactions in the secondary market over the past decade. The inaugural noble and co whiskey intelligence report is the first part in a series of quarterly updates. And the company said it is approximately tracking 45% of the total market for fine and rare single malt scotch whiskey. So wait, this is only this one market where they've dedicated this amount of money, time and expertise to capture 45% of it. That's amazing. It includes 47,600 transactions of bottles sold over a hundred pounds. Oh, so for all of us who buy sub 121 us dollar bottles, we're not even worthy of the attention, but for this pregnant, that's my filter. Sorry. I was going to say this pregnant period. Uh, it's a nine month period. Um, the volume of rare whiskey bottles, but I shouldn't joke because it's alcohol and you shouldn't drink while you're pregnant. Anyway, the price segment climbed by 30% in volume in the first nine months of this year, with value jumping by 40%. And if current growth trends continue, Noble & Co. expects volume sold in 2022 for the segment to reach 56,000 bottles of single malt scotch and $50.7 million in value. Meanwhile, the 1,000 to 10,000 pound Segment, or $12,806, Saw volumes rise by 11% with the value up by 21%. So there's a lot of people out there that are getting completely wasted with really expensive whiskey. Let's see, this article is over in the spiritsbusiness.com. Nicola Carruthers is the author of this article. Again, it's rare whiskey value up by 21% and if you're interested in this kind of thing um, you can go and check out distillerist over on hometown or you can follow the links that are in the show notes and go through hometown over to the spiritsbusiness.com of course if you're listening to this you can always just go straight over to the website um if there's anything else in here i think um let's see rising star is camp belltown and lowlands are the best single perform or the best performing Uh, Scotch whiskey regions, the report noted. Interesting. Well, I'll have to take a look. I don't, I've actually not been drinking that much um, for the last year. I've been kind of stepping away from it, but I don't know. Pandemic is over. I still have a bunch of alcohol in my bar. I might have to just start whittling it down. Um, Let's go over to the next article, which is in the Hatch Ideas channel, probably because it's sourced by a business um, provider, a business website. This is Knives Out sequel. Glass Onion could have been a box office hit if Netflix had let it. I think this is what I had heard recently that it was really limited to the number of um, screens. So it says analysts say Netflix Glass Onion could have been a box office hit with a bigger release. The Knives Out sequel is playing in 600 theaters for one week only. So put this in comparison there are some uh, movies that only made $15 million on a $120 million budget, but they were shown on over 4,500 screens and for longer than a week. So this. This was highly anticipated. I think that this is more of a loss leader. This is to tease people from by word of mouth to go over to Netflix and subscribe to Netflix. Because it's going to transition from the movie theaters over to uh, Netflix. And then you can stream it as much as you want. Um, I'll probably end up buying these at some point. if if uh, I have to look on iTunes and see if they're in in the movie list. Um, I think I bought it, but, uh, knives out was a, an amazing uh, movie and glass onion is going to be just as amazing. I haven't seen any of it. I have avoided trailers beyond the initial tease of what it is. Um, but it's a, an awesome whodunit type of uh, movie. The writing is spectacular, at least in the first one, what I've seen of that first trailer for, um, Glass Onion seems amazing. Um, great editing, so I think that everybody will love it. It says the first movie distributed by Lionsgate earned twenty-seven million in its opening weekend uh, in the U.S. and went on to make one hundred and sixty-five million in the U.S. and three hundred and twelve million globally off of its estimated forty million dollar budget. And so just spectacular, just spectacular return. Um, at least for this one, uh, not. Epic budget type of movie. Now the glass Indian will build onto it. And then I think it's going to turn into a whole long series, multiple um, movies, because it's basically just murder mysteries, but it was only playing in 600 theaters. How many screens within that? I didn't see. And I don't think it said in the article, um, but 600 theaters, depending on how many screens actually hit um, it was, severely hobbled and then only one week and let's see the third biggest movie uh, over the weekend behind black panther and disney's new animated uh, strange world which flopped um <clears throat> i talked about that yesterday strange world was a movie that just i don't think anybody can really attach to in any way shape or form um black panther wakanda forever just has that prominence it has Name recognition and the fan base is just uh, really um die hard for anything Marvel related, so um and special effects and just jam-packed with personality and people. It's just a, a great show. So go check that out too. Um, but this article um over on uh businessinsider.com is by Travis Clark and goes into greater detail about how the knives out sequel. Uh, But the nuts and bolts of it is that it should have been broadcast more, I should say, uh, shown on more screens in more theaters um, for a longer period of time. I don't think that people will go over to Netflix only for this one thing, even if it is teased in movie theaters. But maybe that is what their motivation is for only doing it for a week in a limited number of theaters. I'm sure that it's in large markets but it's, I think to tease people into talking about knives out and then they go and sign up for Netflix. Um, but I don't see that happening then again, maybe it's somebody else there at Netflix has, um, much better understanding. I'm sure they do with more data. Um, but who's right in the long run, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, this next article is in the Warcrafters channel because it's about EA and it's sourced from PC gamer uh like a stern cigar chomping general ea has grown tired of its players befriending their enemies and has come up with a way to stop it a new patent from the company titled detecting collusion in online games is meant to catch players on opposing teams who unfairly partner up before they can ruin the game for everyone else spotted by xputer the system would utilize an AI to sift through a wealth of player data and make judgments about whether their in-game behavior constitutes collusion or not. That's not in-game data either. Everything EA has on you would be fair game. If you and an opponent share a guild in another EA game, have exchanged chat messages in the past, or even if you know each other on social media accounts, you've connected to the game, it would all get factored into the system's detection making process so in-game surveillance traversing the real world virtual world barrier that's pretty fascinating and there is a patent <laughs> again it's titled detecting collusion in online games you can you can go over to uh, the if you follow the link um, that's probably titled ea patent proposes ai system you click that link, it'll take you through to this page. And then when you click on visit the source, you'll get taken to uh, PC gamer where you can read even more about it. Uh, but Joshua Wollens pretty much puts it all in, uh, in up for display here. The invention would use player data to make sure love never blooms in the battlefield. I like that. Yeah. Cause if you're colluding then you're ruining the game, you can't have that. Sort of. I mean, it's kind of like sandbagging a drag race. If you are playing by the rules, then you're going all out and you're not sitting there letting somebody else kind of just sit there and die on the enemy team because they know it's going to help you out. Ultimately, I don't know how you can manage that long term, but. EA says punishments could be automatic or may follow a human or algorithmic review of the collusion detection systems output, which sounds like a major decision to be undecided about. The whole thing already sounds like a privacy minefield with a major potential for error. I agree. Well, at any rate, Joshua Woolens talks about this a little bit more over on their site. So go and check it out. Uh, they are a great resource, um, for gaming news, pcgamer.com. They say that they're the global authority on PC games, but I don't know. Maybe there's somebody else out there and we just haven't seen it. Anyway, the next article is a uh, Maricopa County. And this is over in Arizona, uh, Maricopa County releases data on election day issues and like the real world hometown has all of its ups and downs and some people don't like politics but the trifecta of business technology and society pretty much has a little bit of this in your daily life even if you want to deny it so let's get into this real quick Um, i have some experience with this as well i've done um, my own uh, I don't know. Let's call it basement research on politics and why elections go a certain way. I'm, I'm not well known for it, but I think um, if my estimation is correct, I'll be um, doing an election, well, a 2024 um, election prediction series uh, here on Town. Uh, so stick around, maybe you'll be interested in my research and conclusions, uh, but in this particular case, Maricopa County releases data on election day issues. Zach Schoenfeld is the author of this over at thehill.com, And, um, I know about some of this, they were blaming printer malfunctions, um, as if it was going to make a big difference in the election outcome. And while some elections I do believe can be impacted by this, Maricopa has over 4 million residents. And my understanding is that, um, about 120 votes may have been impacted, but I haven't been able to find out if, uh, Scratch that it's finding a difference of 170 votes countywide in a, uh, a county that has 4.4, I think million residents um, in 170 votes countywide. Okay. So what I haven't been able to discover is if that 170 votes and I didn't do a deep dive into anything, it was a, uh, something that I read elsewhere and then this was submitted to me to bring on the show. So, Um, if it was all for one person, totally understand it, but I have yet to find out if that difference is an overage, um, or a shortage. So if there are basically ghost ballots that came in and they're all for one, um, you know, one politician, then I can understand that there is a problem because the check-ins and the ballots should be right on time, right? Like they should be on target one for one. But like they say here in this, sometimes people check in, but they don't actually stay and vote. So the ballot isn't there. Well, if there are 170 extra ballots, who are they actually for? So context really matters. Um, And I really hate this because... It's the objective is to impugn the integrity of the election process. And this is something that I have been talking about with people for uh, almost a decade now. Um, I ask people when I give uh, presentations, what is something that can be done to society using technology that can disrupt society the most? Um, And for years, people have never responded with anything associated with, impugning the integrity of democracy using the electoral process, essentially the election, um, until I bring it up and they, then their heads explode. My gosh, I had no idea that something like this could happen. And then uh, about two years after I started doing that kind of a discussion, sure enough, it comes to bear. So it's a real bummer that it's happening, but, The context of this matters. There has never been any uh, voter fraud where upon its detection investigation has led to it being um, a regular Joe, right? It's always been somebody who has done something intentionally fraudulent. Like there was a guy that was that said that his wife was um a staunch gop uh voter and her ballot was voted uh democrat and she had died and upon investigation he cracked and said it was me that did it yes i am on the gop side but he's one of the wingnut side of the political spectrum most people do not vote straight party ticket. And even when they do vote straight party ticket, certain things don't get voted. They 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 would rather not vote for somebody than vote pure straight party ticket. So they'll vote for everything, you know, Republican or Democrat, but if they don't agree with the politician, they'll nix the politician entirely. They won't vote for the lesser of the evil that they feel is out there um and this has been demonstrated through conversations in various counties Um, not directly with me but in the news Um, but then there are others that um, are staunchly you know one side or the other Uh, but i've been able to deduce that it's based on population density where a county lands Um, and i can predict it pretty much um let's see here uh, more than 90% of the time I can predict it, uh, within a state by county, um, more than 90, 90%, closer to 95%. I'd have to go and look at my numbers again, but, um, 170 votes doesn't make a difference. It's not going to swing because we don't actually know what it is, who it is that voted and where they voted and what was voted. And if they even voted for x person that might have been at play here um so this just kind of drives me nuts um, because i don't really agree with this as if the sky is falling Um, but it's a way to impugn the integrity of the electoral process Um, and i think that's really behind most of these complaints is just to say hey this is inferior this is wrong this is they're stealing the election or they're lying or cheating or it's not real you see it with your own eyes and it's not real i mean it's very dystopian future coming forward so Uh, but we'll keep an eye on all of this stuff and uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 6 p.m eastern we do this every day hometown daily news show starting in january i am hoping i am actually on target right now for launching five more shows so it would be hometown daily news show and then a show immediately afterward what it is on each day i haven't decided yet um, but i am on target for it unless something catastrophic happens um, i will be launching yeah definitely five more five more shows but at any rate i will see you all tomorrow I know that people are picking up the podcast. I know people are checking out the YouTube channel. Go and check it out. Not a lot. Sorry about that. Not a lot of people, but um, go and check it out. Tell a friend. Hope to see you here tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, for another hometown daily news show. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.